Hello, everyone. Yes, hello, regular Drews. Welcome to episode 17, A Model Crime, case number 51 of the Nancy Drew Files. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew. Okay. So this book was published in 1990. Yeah. First thoughts about it, Corey? It's another Chicago one. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was very, very similar to the one we just did, Smile and Smile Harder. It felt very similar, yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I think I enjoyed it. Yeah. There was definitely stuff about it that I did not like, Mm -hmm. but there was stuff about it that I did like. And um, I feel like I'm being very vague and like equivocating a lot. It's okay. <laughs> but that's the same with all of them, you know? Some yeah. some of it you like, some of it you don't like. I think I am getting a little bit sick of the formula of the yeah. Nancy Files. I am like, I'm like reaching a little bit of a limit. And so I'm, you know, glad that we'll be wrapping this up in the next next couple episodes. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, it's so weird because I just remember being super obsessed with these, but yeah. I don't have any memory of these at all. Just the the fact that I like them so much and now reading them, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It is very formulaic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We did depart a little bit from it. We have slightly less danger. Nancy mm-hmm. does, spoiler alert, Nancy doesn't almost get murdered in the end, which is nice. It's more like a public accusatory thing. So that was That's refreshing, true. I guess. That's true. Yeah, the resolution was very different. Yes. Um, yeah, that's true. I, yeah, yeah. I think I just, it was just definitely a middle of the road book for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> so three words will have to be modeling. Models, yeah, modeling. Um, Chicago again. I don't know if that's fair to say. We do see a lot of Chicago landmarks. Yeah. So, sort of. Yeah, and then just sabotage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, pretty straightforward. It's a pretty straightforward one. I did look up all the locations that they mentioned. They are all real places. Wow. In Chicago, all the parks and bridges and things that they reference, they are real. Kudos to you for the effort. <laughs> I just took I just took their word for it. I was like, okay, some pier, cool. <laughs> I went on Google Maps and even looked at some of these places and wow. they I mean they look different than what's described in the book and obviously sure. things have probably changed in the last 31 years since this was published, but uh, I know oh, 1990 no. was 31 years ago. Oh my God, that doesn't sound right, does it? Well, it would make sense since, you know, we're approaching the big three out. <laughs> don't say that out loud. Ooh. We don't acknowledge That's it. That's right. Sorry, <laughs> we are perpetually 24. I forgot. I forgot. Momentarily <laughs> forgot. Forgive me. Nicole. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> 31 years. Yeah. The cover, I, again, I think is just fine and normal. There's nothing, I mean, aside from the beautiful 80s fashion that mm-hmm. Bess is wearing in this. Nancy's suit. Oh, yeah, that's true. Nancy does look very silent. 
Nancy's wearing a matching yellow suit. It's gorgeous. I feel like it was very 1980s to be all one color. Yeah. Well, Bess is not. That's true. Bess is wearing a like an oversized button-down orange shirt with a red vest over it, blue shorts, and underneath that she's got on purple stockings with orange socks over that and brown like lace-up leather shoes. It's definitely a look. <laughs> it's something. It's a choice. The guy behind her though looks like an actual Ken doll. He looks he like does. A, like an actual like doll. Not in a good way. Not no. in a good way. In like a stiff mannequin like way. Like she could be posing with a mannequin in this photo and right. we wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, that's all the cover is. It's just Bess and this mannequin posing together for a photo shoot and then Nancy's standing in the corner looking behind her shoulder at them. That's all Nancy ever does in a cover is look over her shoulder. I yeah. mean, <laughs> come on. Come on. It's always the mystery in the background, Nancy in the foreground with some kind of look on her face like, oh, or, oh, no, or, <laughs> you know, interested in something. Danger is everywhere. <laughs> She's got to watch her back. Oh, okay. Summary? Yeah, we can do our summary. So we start off this book um, with Bess and George and Nancy all in, I guess, Bess's bedrooms, kind of unclear. Bess is looking into the mirror and talking about how she's so excited that she has been chosen as a finalist in the face of the year contest that's being held by Smash, which is this clothing company and a uh, a modeling agency yes. named e- <laughs> Elon. Elon, I can think it was Elon. Elon, yes, okay. Elon and Teen Scene Magazine. So mm-hmm. it's like this big competition that like gets all these, you know, young women all over the country who are amateur models and basically gives them this all expense paid trip to Chicago where they can participate in like these modeling shoots, get a portfolio built um, and be entered into this contest to be able to win um, a certain amount of money. I don't remember how much it is. I think it's a contract as well to right. like, get like a yeah. photo shoot and thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and so they like win to be, you know, this magazine's face of the year and they get to go on all sorts of shoots afterwards after winning. So Bess is very excited. Yes. And this scene is a little bit uh, uncomfortable, in my opinion. Um, <sighs> because Right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, okay. We have to twist the knife is what we're doing. Uh-huh. Bess is looking in a mirror and she says... All I did was lose a few pounds and suddenly my whole life has changed. All of her problems went away. I guess it was worth it to turn down all the ice cream cones, brownies, mocha cheesecake. <sighs> okay. Um, yeah. So that's not real life. No. No. And it's really upsetting that Bess is attributing her success to the fact that she weighs five pounds less than she did. So... Mm-hmm. She's finally perfect. She's lost those five pounds that made her heavier than perfect. Y'all, I I can't. I know. It's bad. It's pretty bad. I will say, so I don't want to get too much into critique here, but I will say that I think this gets better throughout the book. So we don't have to stay in this awful place where we start, we start from, but it is a pretty terrible place to start from. So um, yeah, so they're, they're in her bedroom. There's a very close almost fight between Bess and George where George oh, yeah. kind of is kind of puts her down and says like 
I didn't think that you would get to the finals of this competition or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, but Nancy very deftly maneuvers the conversation away so that they don't get too upset with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also the only part in the book that George is in because very conveniently, again, George has a sporting event to attend that mm-hmm. makes her unable to participate in the rest of the book. Right. Why do they do that? Why do they keep shuttling George out very quickly? What is that about? She's busy. She's got things to do, places I mean, to like, be. I agree that like in the past, Beth and George don't get along well in mm-hmm. whatever you know mystery is happening. But it just seems kind of unfair that they would always push George out instead of you know pushing Beth out once in a while. You know what right. I mean? Surely they do. And we, we've just I missed seen it somehow. A single mystery that features George and Nancy Drew Files. It's always Beth. Even the ones that we've just glanced at it doing. It's like Bess has a date or Bess is involved in this thing or Bess gets chosen to be a finalist of the face of the year contest. It's always Bess. Maybe whoever was writing the Nancy Drew Files was just not a George fan and they were like, Mm-mm, wow. out, get her out of here. I think George deserves some redemption, you know? Of course. I would like to see a good George story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we get a lot of Bess, which is mm-hmm. obviously I love. Bess yeah. is probably my favorite character, but like, we we know we know who Bess is. We know very surely who Bess is in these mm-hmm. books, and we don't know who George is. We really only got her in like two points to murder, mm-hmm. and that was just for a couple scenes. Mm-hmm. It's disappointing. Poor George. Yeah, poor George. Anyway, so pretty much that's it, and they head off to Chicago. Yeah, Nancy's going to accompany Bess since George can't go with her. Right. Right. So they head to the Intercontinental Hotel, which is where everyone will be staying. And right as soon as they get there, they learn that they are late for a photo shoot that is currently happening on a pier. So they have to rush over there, drop off their bags and rush over there so that Bess can participate in the face of the year photo shoot that has all of the models in it. Mm -hmm. Right when they get there, they meet a bunch of people. Um, so here we go. Kelly Conroy, who, um, has a column in teen scene. She's just a reporter. Mm -hmm. Tom Fortner, who is the public relations guy for smash clothing and the contest. Mm -hmm. Bettina Vasquez, who runs Elon for, uh, the owner who is not present, but is mentioned Monique Durant. Um, Mm -hmm. we also meet all of the contestants, um, but only a few of them are named. Some of them, I think they name all of them. Oh. I think there's only eight contestants. Well, I only wrote well, plus down best nine. <laughs> it's Maggie, Heather, Trudy, Carrie, Allison, Diana, and Natasha. Mm. And then we do also meet a man named Roger Harlan, who is like a male model that's agreed to come participate in this photo shoot for some reason, but he's not in the contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I I thought he was so. It was so strange. But anyway. Um, so a notable thing is that Heather, um, one of the girls in this contest is terrible. She is yeah, she's a jerk. rude. She's mean. She makes fun of people. She's just awful. And we get that right off the bat and no one likes her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're all kind of lining up for, um, this photo shoot, getting into position and everything being directed by the photographer. And, um, Heather is being like snotty and being like, Oh, I don't want to stand in the back. 
I, I'm scared. Oh, I'm scared of, you know, I'm scared of heights or I'm scared of the water or whatever. Can, can mm-hmm. I please move to the front? But really it's just that she wants to be in the front of the picture. Right. right? <laughs> so she, she switches with Maggie who is very nice and very accommodating. And so Maggie is standing in the back. And then as soon as we start taking pictures, Maggie falls, a, a, a rail, the railing behind her that she is leaning on breaks and she falls into the water and screams, you know, help, I can't swim. Poor thing. Poor thing. But I thought it was hilarious. Like, lol, a girl fell into the lake. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> Very classic. Roger Harlan jumps to the rescue, dives in to save her and pulls her out of the water very sweetly. And pretty much that that's that's the end of the photo shoot and that, you know, Maggie has to go home and can't participate in it anymore, which ends up happening quite a lot. Yeah. Like some some situation happens, a girl gets ruined, her outfit, her face is ruined in some way. She's either soaking wet or something else happens and she can't participate in the rest of the pictures and she has to go home. They don't just stop taking pictures. They just kick that one person out. Right. So Nancy goes over to investigate the railing because that is what Nancy does. And she notices, because she thinks, oh, well, the railing must have rusted. Um, but she notices that actually, of course, um, it looks like it was sawed through. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Yes, the railing was sabotaged as we all knew what was going to happen. Right. <laughs> but so Nancy is like, well, why would somebody sabotage this railing? That's super weird it must it might just be vandalism it's probably just vandalism so she goes over to tell tom the pr guy because she thinks he probably needs to know and he says oh it's definitely not sabotage it's, it's got to be vandalism some you know weird person just did it's that teens. railing i'll tell the city about it so they can fix it and nancy is like okay that's weird so she goes to talk to the lighting crew um, who has had been there earlier setting up and was currently breaking everything down. And she was like, hey, what could have done this to the railing? And they say, oh, looks like a handsaw probably could have done that. Mm-hmm. And they go to show her the handsaw that they have. And as they, you know, open the toolbox where it is, Nancy um, sees a little tie tack in the toolbox that has the initial initials rh on it mm-hmm. and hmm, who do we know with the initials rh hmm. but roger harlan be roger harlan who just had his big hero moment saving the girl who fell in the water hmm. interesting interesting strange yeah so then the question is did roger harlan saw through this railing why would he do that nancy investigates his alibi a little bit and he was supposedly filming a commercial all day um, earlier before he had gotten there. So when would he have had time to do that? <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, it's just a little weird. Next, they have a banquet dinner for everyone in the contest. And the owner of the modeling agency is actually going to address everyone and welcome them to the competition. My next note is just Bess won't eat butter. Uh, she's very particular about what she will and won't eat and is like, I'll only eat this salad, no dressing. I'll only eat cucumbers for dinner. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very intense scene, and we'll have to talk about mm-hmm. it later because I also have other things to say about it too. Oh yes, but yeah, it, Bess is very preoccupied with what she's eating and what all the other models are eating too, and like what how what she eats compares to what everybody else is eating. 
But yeah, so Monica Duran, not Monica, Monica, Monique Duran (laughs) makes a speech um, and she's talking about everything that's going to happen throughout the week. The girls are going to be having all these modeling shoots and they'll get to keep the clothes from the modeling shoots, which is very exciting. Um, And then she like starts talking about like what it takes to be a model and that you need to be disciplined and basically like be tough and be able to like deal with uncomfortable situations and stuff. And she like looks directly at Bettina, one of the Elon employees when she's talking about this. Mm-hmm. Really weird. <laughs> Definitely a little strain on that relationship. We can tell already. Mm-hmm. And she also, so this is also where we learn um, who it's a weird situation because the next day there's going to be this, or it's not the next day. At some point in the competition, there's going to be a banquet where male models escort each one of the contestants. Mm -hmm. Weird. Um, But they're like announcing what escorts they're going to have to this banquet. Like it's this big deal, which is, I just find super uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, It's a little bit meat marketing. Yeah. But so when Nancy was talking to Tom earlier, he said that Maggie was going to be escorted by Roger Harlan, which would have made for like a very nice story because he had just pulled her out of the water. Right. Mm -hmm. But as they're announcing all of these things, something must have changed because now Heather is going to be escorted by Roger Harlan. Mm -hmm. Very weird. Why did you tell her that before? And why is it different now? But so after they announce yes sports, they announce who's going to be photographing each of the girls. They each get their own photographer, which I also thought was weird. But yeah. whatever, weird competition. Um, and Bess is very happy to have the escort and the photographer that she has. She has this very famous photographer named like Alice Alex Borkowski or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is excited about the model who's going to be her escort as well. And Kelly, who's also there, asked to interview Bess after her makeover the next day because all the girls are also getting makeover. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Then the next morning they go to breakfast and all the models like have to go to a photo shoot or something. So Nancy sits down with Kelly at breakfast and realizes, hmm, this lady could be could be useful for me. I could get some information out of her because she seems to have all the connections within this industry. So Nancy tucks that back into into her brain. Mm-hmm. And so she also asks her where to find Elon's offices because she wants to go there to talk to Roger Harlan and see, you know, kind of ask him about his alibi a little bit more, mm-hmm. figure out what his motive might be for having sawed through the railing. And Kelly tells her where it is and says that she'll see her there later. So Nancy heads over to the Elon offices or before she does, she's about to, she's about to leave the hotel and she overhears two bellhops talking about having lost a pass key to, I guess, all of the rooms. A master key card? Some kind of master key when all the models were signing in. And they were freaked out because they didn't want to tell their boss about having lost it. (laughs) Um, And they see Nancy kind of like, you know, looking at them while they're having this conversation. So they very quickly stop talking and move away. Mm -hmm. But so just something to tuck and do at the back of our minds. Mm -hmm. There is a missing master key card, which seems very dangerous. Yes. So then Nancy heads over to the Elon offices and she is waiting for uh, Roger Harlan to show up because the secretary told her that he would be in a little later. And she is reading an article about Let's Go and Trina Evans, who is the owner of Let's Go, which is a rival clothing company of Smash. Um, And so 
Smash is the, being the competition sponsor. Mm-hmm. And I think in the article, she voices distaste for Elon, the company. Mm-hmm. She has some super bad things to say about this competition in particular, saying that it's like the worst of the worst when it comes to like advertising, which I don't disagree. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being honest. But yeah, the important thing to note is the fact that there is super bl- bad blood for whatever reason between Smash and Let's Go. Mm-hmm. So Nancy goes to the bathroom and on her way there, she passes by Bettina's office. Um, and so she gets into a conversation with Bettina, who works at Elon. And Bettina says to Nancy that Bess is too short to have a career in modeling, but Nancy could consider it. Um, and that if she wanted to, you know, Bettina could set some stuff up for her. Mm. <laughs> Disappointing. Mm-hmm. So at some point, she opens her closet to get her coat. Bettina does. And when she opens it, Nancy sees that there is a picture in her closet of Monique Durand, like with darts having been thrown into this photograph. So Bettina is not a fan of her boss. Right. (laughs) But it tracks because of all of the, you know, the way that Monique had singled her out in that conversation, in that speech. Yeah. I would probably be really upset with my boss, too, if (laughs) they did that to me. So clearly these ladies don't like each other. But Bettina is, like, not embarrassed to have been found out like this at all. She's just kind of like, ha-ha, yeah, she's terrible. I hate her. We're not – we used to be friends, but we're not anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she doesn't really say what. Right. At this point, Kelly arrives at the office, and the receptionist lets Nancy know that she got a call from Roger's people or Roger himself and said that he doesn't have time to come in that day after all. So Kelly's like, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to go to lunch? So they end up going to lunch together, and this this is when uh, Nancy learns that Tom right. and Bettina actually used to be engaged, and he left her for Monique. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, part of the bad blood there. Yeah. I love this scene. It's my favorite scene in the book because right off the bat, Kelly starts off this conversation being like, Hey, I know who you are, Nancy Drew. What are you really doing here with this competition? Uh, It's just amazing. She was like, no, I know who you are. Um, (laughs) And so basically Nancy just tells her, which I thought was super super presumptive super preemptive yes. like nancy you don't know who this girl is she's a reporter like the reporter that you know by the way from all the rest of the files brenda carlton is not someone that you would normally share information with so why are you choosing to share information with kelly right but she does she tells her pretty much yeah everything that she thinks has been happening about the potential for sabotage Roger Harlan and all of that. And then Kelly in turn is like, yeah, I'll totally help you out. Let's get to the bottom of this. It'll make a great article. I'll tell you what I know. And so, yeah, she tells them about Tom and Bettina and Monique. And she tells her also that Roger is unhappy at Elon, but he can't get out of his contract unless for some reason he can prove that Elon didn't represent him well. Um, and Nancy specifically asks her to investigate Heather as well, because Heather is just sus and terrible and <laughs> rude. Oh, yeah. So then Nancy heads back to the hotel, um, meets up with Bess, and she says that Bess looks super sexy after her makeover. <laughs> ah! My God. Does she use that word? I think she says, I think she says so. Hang on. I, I'll oh, find gosh. It. Yeah, she says... 
I like it. It's like a lion's mane, but sophisticated and sexy. Oh, all right, Bess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so Bess is really happy with her her makeover and everything, but she says not everybody is happy about their makeover because Allie, Allison won't even open the door. She won't show anybody. She says something really bad has happened. Yikes. So eventually they're able to like coax her out and we see that her, her hair has basically been burned off her head. It's mm-hmm. like all frizzy and like patches of hair are missing from her scalp. And so Nancy goes to talk to the hairdresser. She's like, yeah. what the heck happened here? And it's this guy named Pierre, because of course his name is Pierre. Yes. And he says he doesn't know what happened. And he uses, he used the same chemicals that he always uses. He doesn't know why this would happen. So Nancy goes to sniff at the bottles that he uses. Um, and one of them, she says, smells caustic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can tell that something smells acidic. Right. I don't know what the smell that is, but whatever. For whatever reason, Nancy can determine that one of them is like heavily caustic. Um, and so it seems as though this bottle has been sabotaged. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I will note that this is our only black character as well. Oh. That they do this too. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize Allie as, as being black. They describe her as like, well, let me find it. They, I mean, I will say at the very beginning, which we'll have to talk about later too, they had some of the worst, craziest descriptions of these girls that I've ever read in mm-hmm. any fiction ever, in any prose ever. It was terrible. And so I probably did not focus on it too much because I was like, what am I reading? Uh, yeah, Allison was tall like Maggie and Carrie, but her skin was a rich chocolate brown set off by large glowing black eyes. Her glossy jet black hair was parted on one side and held in place with a simple gold clip. Gotcha. So our only black character, we have to burn her hair off her head with chemicals. It's definitely like the most violent of all of the sabotages mm-hmm. that happens. So yeah, it will be very important to notice that. <sighs> It's very disappointing. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> just just stuck on that. Black women face so much BS over their hair anyway. And to mm-hmm. have that done to them, it feels like a hate crime. Yeah. Well, it is. <laughs> it yeah. is. And then later, later they um, put her in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very like physical, like your hair is not good enough. Wear this right. wig. I think Monique comes by at this point and she sees what's happened with Allison and she's like, okay, come here. Let's go back in the room. We'll close the door and we'll have a little talk about this. And I think this is her trying to comfort her, but and eventually we do learn that she does wear the wig. So I think this is her just saying, Hey, don't worry. We'll get you a wig. It'll mm-hmm. be okay. Cause mm-hmm. you'll have a wig. It's fine. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, okay. But we're at the photo shoot. So yes. <laughs> at the playground or not playground, the, park gym area like an exercise park um yeah so they're they're at a photo shoot at this exercise park and all these girls are like doing like these athletic moves for this photo shoot which was interesting (laughs) so they're kind of like cycling through all the girls and then they get to what are like rings like um, yeah the gymnastic rings right hold on to and pull yourself up on and the photographer is like anybody want to try out the rings Anybody and Bess, sweet Bess, is so gung-ho. She's like, yeah, absolutely. Put me in there, coach. And she jumps up onto the rings and holds up and takes a few mm-hmm. pictures. And it's like, great, great. Now pull yourself up. 
And Bez is like, nope, can't do that. Can't, can't do that. Which relatable hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, she's like, let me, you know, let me try, you know, a little harder. And then as she goes to pull harder down on one of the rings, it snaps. She slips off, falls face first into the mud. And then her outfit is ruined. Her face is all covered in mud. Yeah, her brand new hairstyles mm-hmm. destroyed. And she is obviously upset. Uh, and they're like, oh, sucks for you. Let's move on, basically. Yeah, Bettina kicks her out of the shoot and is like, we don't have time for you to go wash up. So just go home. You're out of the shoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Nancy tries to comfort her, but Heather is the worst mm-hmm. and like makes jokes about Bess being a pig because she's like been rolling them out in the mud. Yeah. yeah. Making noises at her. Gross. Sick. Nancy does notice that the bolt on the ring was cut off. Mm-hmm. More sabotage. Right. So they, they go back to the hotel. Bess is starting to cheer up a little bit at this point. She realizes like, hey, you know, there are going to be other photo shoots. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to go take a shower. Um, and then they are going to go head to get some coffee. Um and as they are heading out of the hotel room, they get a little peep at some of the dresses for the banquet. A delivery boy is rolling them into one of the rooms. They say, oh, hang on. Can we take a look really quick? And so they look through all the dresses. They're very excited. Um, Bess sees her dress. It's beautiful. She's very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're looking at all the dresses for the other girls. And they pull out one, Natasha's. And it has been slashed to pieces. It is like shredded ribbons yeah mm-hmm. so again more sabotage but it also doesn't seem to be um centered around any one girl this is now the fourth right. different girl so it seems like we're just cycling through first it was maggie then it was um ally then it was bess now it's uh natasha natasha mm-hmm. so interesting Nancy decides that she is not going to say anything so that she can wait until everybody comes to see the dresses and then she can try to gauge everyone's reactions to see if anybody is acting a little suspicious about this. Uh, but this is when Allison comes back with the wig and she seems to be in better spirits at least. And Tom comes to inspect the dresses at this point, I think, or everyone, everyone else arrives by now. And then Tom comes in to inspect the dresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while he's inspecting the ruined dress, Nancy clocks that a piece of paper falls out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. Super weird. It says, she picks it up, she reads it, and it says, I'll miss you tonight, but remember your first reward will be a trip to the Caribbean with your new president, of course. With love, T. Hmm. Why does no one sign their full names on notes in the Nancy Drew series? <laughs> Makes for better clues. No, it's just put an initial. You know? Yeah. You think if you weren't going to sign the note, then just don't don't sign the note, you know? Anyway. Why, why didn't she confront him right away? Because this <laughs> is when I figured everything out. I yeah. was like, oh, well, that explains it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but anyway. So uh, Bettina says that she'll get um, Natasha another dress, but it's not. But she can't be in the photo now because of this, because the dress isn't going to be a smash original. Right. All the other dresses were supposed to be like custom designs. Right. And so she can't be featured in this photo shoot. And I was like, that's super rude. Just put her in the back or something. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Um, But anyway, 
So they head down to the lobby and Nancy takes the stairs because the elevator is full. And as she's walking down, she peeps Bettina sneaking through the fire stairs door. And of course, she follows her because it's what any of us would do in this Nancy Drew scenario. And she sees, she overhears Bettina talking to an older male voice she can't identify mm-hmm. um, about all this sabotage. You know, Bettina's talking about what's been going on. The guy apparently pays her and asks to know about anything else that's happening. So basically, Bettina is like reporting what's going on to some anonymous guy. Which is strange because she was missed like, don't let any of this sabotage leak to the press, blah, blah, blah. Getting on to the girls about talking to reporters. She also, she says, thanks, EB. And so, again, we get identifiers by initials only. <laughs> Which, <laughs> like, come on. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to someone in person, you have no reason not to say their name. Right. Or just don't say their name, just say thanks. You know? I think the thing was that this man does actually just go by his initials. Like people call him EB. And then oh. later Kelly tells us like, oh yeah, that's Earl Banks. Actually, he goes by EB though. Oh, really? I kind you. of a cop out, but whatever. Yeah. So Nancy gets into the ballroom. She goes into the ballroom when she's waiting on all these models to show up. And they're all missing. They haven't showed up except Heather. Heather is there talking mm-hmm. to Roger. And so Nancy goes to look for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she finds them really quickly. They are all in the lobby, but they look super shaken. And Nancy's like, what happened? And Bess tells her that they all got trapped in the elevator, that it felt like forever. They were all starting to freak out. But then eventually, randomly, the elevator just started moving again and went to the lobby. Right. (laughs) Right. Nancy decides that she is going to go down to the basement and try to ask the staff down there if they know anything about why the elevator would have just stopped all of a sudden mm-hmm. yeah the maintenance man down there says that someone must have pushed the breaker he noticed it too and he you know reset it and so obviously that's what fixed the elevator um but the breaker board circuit board no breaker breaker the breaker box, that's what it's called, the breaker box, that the box isn't locked, that anybody could have come down here and just flipped any of these switches. Um, and so he's going to get a lock for it to install it tomorrow. So it's not going to happen again. But like, why is your basement just unlocked if you have all of this dangerous stuff that impacts the functioning of the hotel? And you ha- you're a massive hotel in the middle of downtown Chicago where you have probably hundreds of guests every day who could all just walk down there whenever they feel like it. But whatever. It seems very odd, but all right, we'll suspend our disbelief for the purpose of this <laughs> mystery. So, yeah, Nancy goes back to the um, banquet hall. She talks to Kelly. Yeah, Kelly points out EB at the press table shows him over there. He has a column and writes for Let's Go, Smash's rival. Interesting. Very interesting. So the next day, Nancy goes to Kelly's office to read the papers to see if Earl Banks did say anything about all of these sabotaging uh, of the contest. And what do you know? He did indeed write about that talking about how, well, it doesn't seem like the competition is going too well. You know, what's wrong with, you know, Smash and Elon that they can't run this easy competition? So after that, Nancy goes back to the hotel. After having bought some nail polish for Best, the Best was concerned about not having, which I just thought, 
was the so sweetest sweet. friend thing mm-hmm. have done. Nancy like specifically remembers the color of the nail polish that Bess realized that she forgot to bring and was like freaking out about it. And so Nancy passes by a drugstore and is like, oh, I'll check to see if they have it. And they do. And she gets it for Bess. That's so sweet. Points to Nancy for like the first time for showing us like positive friendship qualities. Yeah. Good job at being Bess's <laughs> friend here. Um, it doesn't really help with Bess's mood though. Cause yeah. when she gets back to the room, Bess is sobbing. She says that she'd just gotten back from her photo shoot with her individual photographer, whoever was assigned to her and says that he hated her and tells her that she would never make it as a model, that she was too stiff, that she had no future, no career. And that she looked like a clown. He said, oh, yeah. clown-like. And to go wash her face before he would even photograph her. She didn't even do her own makeup, though. What an Poor asshole. Best. I know. Jerk. But then at that exact moment, Tom knocks on the door and says, okay, so bad news. Looks like the camera that your photographer was using was stolen, along with the negatives. So we don't have any of those pictures that you took. So sucks. Basically, you're not going to have this portfolio and right. to live without it. And Bess is like, whoa, 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 what? Excuse me? Nancy is like, well, is there any way we can recover the camera or the negatives or anything? And, you know, or could we potentially reshoot Bess's session? Yeah. And Tom's like, okay, well, I'll ask you know, your photographer, but you'll probably have to miss another group photo to do that. And so he's just, he's just an asshole too about it. Yeah. He's like, don't count on getting those photos back. Consider them long gone. I guess we can try, but meh. Mm -hmm. And Bess is upset, obviously. And so he just kind of makes like a placating attempt to like encourage her a little bit. He's like, don't worry, everything will be okay. But both Bess and Nancy remark that, it was a creepy, a yeah. creepy vibe they got off of him. And that he felt that it seemed really phony. And that yeah. yeah, like he was not being sincere. <sighs> so we got our eyes on you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather's rude at lunch. Shocking. Yeah. After that they have another photo shoot yeah. where they go to a fountain at a public park and they pull out the dresses for everyone to start getting changed and all of the dresses are the wrong size, except for Heather's. How does this How does this keep happening? Hmm. Lucky girl, huh? Yeah. I do want to remark, too, at this particular point. They are, like, having them stand on pillars in this fountain, mm-hmm. right? All around these, on top of pillars in the fountain. And then they're going to turn the water on as, like, a water effect. Mm-hmm. This is, sounds like the most stupid photo shoot I've ever heard of in my life (laughs) yeah oh yeah but anyway so they have the girls all stand there or whatever and they go to turn the water on but then instead of water coming out suddenly purple paint starts pouring out all these fountain heads and covers all the girls in purple paint and they're close in purple paint except for heather so they're like, uh, all right, everyone go home, wash up, shoots called off. And Nancy starts investigating. She sees a little tube running out of the fountain and she follows it to a purple can of paint. Everybody's getting really frustrated at this point. There's been a lot of accidents. It's been very hard to get any work done. And so at this point, who best, who was Bess's photographer, Alex, 
Borkowski or whatever. He quits and is like, I can't deal with this craziness anymore. I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. I can't work like this. And Tom also says like, well, like, you know, things are getting really bad. Maybe we should cancel the contest. You know, I just don't Mm -hmm. see how we can keep going like this. And Nancy is like, hmm, them's are quitter words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a really, you're giving up pretty awfully easily. She doesn't say that to him, but she thinks it. Mm -hmm. So, but they all head back to the hotel and the bus all paint covered and bedraggled poor girls. Yeah. And when they get to the hotel, there's a message from Kelly. Um, And so Nancy calls her back. Um, She says that she found information on Heather. She said her real name is actually Gloria Smithson, that she's from Ohio, not wherever she said she was from, which I don't remember. I think she said New York or something, but she's from Cleveland for real. Mm -hmm. And she says she is probably has done professional modeling work before. I can't prove it, but it's likely that she has. That she was a juvie a few months ago for vandalism. So... Mm Interesting. Heather has a has a history of modeling and vandalism. Right, right. <laughs> she doesn't have anything on Roger yet, except that he was an Eagle Scout apparently, and um, has a commercial shoot at Marshall's Field tomorrow. Just a FYI for Nancy. Right. Um, so Nancy starts to think about this and is like, why, you know, yeah, we see this history that Heather has or whatever, but why would Heather sabotage? a contest that could change her life, kickstart her career, all this stuff that makes no sense. Well, Bess even says, I think Heather must be the one that, that did it. And Nancy's like, mm, no, I'm not so sure. And I just give Bess a chance here. Someone with, with motive, opportunity and means mm-hmm. is a suspect. That's very reasonable. Also, if she sabotages everyone else, she kind of makes way for herself to be the runner or the the front runner in this. Well, I think that's the thing though, is that she has opportunity and means, but she doesn't have motive. Like we don't know what her motive would be for trying to sabotage this contest. To get everyone else out. So she wins. I guess so. I guess so. So She just kind of shuts Bess down way too quickly when Bess is just trying to help. It annoyed me a little bit. I think what Nancy believes is that the goal of all this sabotage is to shut down the contest mm-hmm. which she says a lot but yeah i agree it's like we don't know that that would happen right <laughs> so yeah it's a little weird um but best does get assigned a new photographer to do mm-hmm. a reshoot of her um you know her portrait shots or whatever and she is very happy first she's like oh well it's this nobody like it could be really bad you know maybe he's not yeah. super well known or whatever but um it's like you need to give him a chance you don't know it could be great so she's like okay yes you're right but um nancy heads to marshall's field to confront roger because apparently she's decided that he is responsible and she needs to put it to him and be like why was your tie tack in the toolbox where the handsaw was that probably potentially maybe sawed through the railing at the very first photo shoot. So she heads there. And as she's like heading up the escalator to wherever Roger is, she sees Tom there with a blonde woman who looks really familiar to Nancy, but she can't place who it is. Right. She just moves on though, because she has to, she's going to go see Roger. So she confronts Roger and he says that, oh, actually, he lost his tie tack at a smash fitting 
And so Nancy then basically fills him in on, you know, what she believes about the what's been happening about the sabotage and everything. And mm-hmm. Roger is like shocked and upset and angry. And he says, hey, I'll do anything to help you figure this out. You know, just keep me posted and let me know what I can do. Interesting. Yeah. Nancy basically just thinks that he's very sincere and crosses him off the suspect list. Yeah. Um, so she, yeah, she heads back to the hotel and she goes into her hotel room and she sees what's that, but a threatening note on her pillow. It wouldn't be a Nancy Drew file without a threatening note. We got to hit all of the elements. Yes. Sabotage. Crossing someone off your suspect list just because you think they're sincere and threatening notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the threatening note says, Nancy Drew, if you like your face the way it is, keep your nose out of other people's business. Hmm. <laughs> they're always so funny i don't know i just find the concept of a threatening note so funny like right <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish here dude you know you're not gonna scare away nancy drew we already certainly not certainly not <laughs> yeah nancy just kind of laughs it off <laughs> of course she doesn't take it seriously of course because but also why would you take it seriously it's like okay somebody left a note on my pillow like nobody tried to kill me like what's <laughs> They have been in your room, though. Yeah. And that's a little concerning, especially because you know that key card is still missing. Yeah, that's the unnerving part of it. And also, right. Nancy doesn't, like, make any steps to try to change this fact. Like, she doesn't go right. to, like, hotel management and be like, someone got in my room. Can you, like, you know, change the lock on my door or something? Right. Or give me she, a new room or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Ooh. So, anyway. Nancy goes to check on Diana and Carrie because no one has seen them at all that day so she goes and knocks on the door and they open it and they both have these like red rashes all over their face and mm-hmm. they're like itching it and they're like nancy something terrible has happened oh <laughs> it's poor girls and so nancy goes to look at their pillows and someone has put itching powder all over their pillows and mm-hmm. she says okay well the itching will go away in a few hours but the red marks aren't going to go away for days yeah so essentially <sighs> News is not good for your next photo shoot. Right. Uh, Nancy calls Kelly and tells her about the pillow and the note. Um, And Nancy and Kelly both go to Elon to figure out what the heck is going on. We got to talk to somebody to figure this out. Nancy does also go to the ballroom to check on things. None of the contestants are there yet, but there are some people setting up some large like promotional images for the banquet later that night. Um, And she overhears one of them saying that one of the images has gone missing. Nancy starts to think about it and realizes that there had been someone taking photos at each one of the photo shoots where things had been sabotaged. Um, So she figures that whatever is in this missing photo must contain evidence of our saboteur. Um, So she decides she's going to call Kelly because Kelly had also been at each one of these events taking photos and she is going to ask Kelly for help to look through the photos to see if they can find any evidence. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they go to look at the pictures that Kelly has, or Kelly brings the pictures. I think she goes to Kelly to yeah, look at the pictures from, from the fountain photo shoot with all the purple paint. And she's like, can you show me all the pictures from the, you know, the fountain shoot? And Kelly's like, well, I only have pictures from, like, right before. So, you know, and Nancy's like, that's perfect. perfect. <laughs> that's exactly what I want to see. Um, and so she looks through all those pictures, and she sees someone putting a tube into the fountain. 
She can't see their face, but she's looking really hard at the picture and she realizes she recognizes the coat. Hmm. Whose coat is it? It's Tom Fortner's. <gasps> the PR dude for Smash and for this contest. Oh, surprise, surprise. Are any of us surprised? No. No. <laughs> um, so Nancy realizes at this point, too, that the blonde that he was with on the escalators earlier was Trina Evans, who mm-hmm. is the president of Let's Go. So now the note that fell out of Tom's pocket makes sense to us. She is going to be his new president. So it seems like he is going to go take a job with Let's Go after this contest. Right. Right. She does realize that Heather has been kind of on Tom's good side. So she decides to ask Heather for her assistance in getting a hold of Tom's briefcase so she can snoop a little bit. And of, of course, Heather is rude and says, absolutely not. Go figure it out yourself. Well, I just thought it was so stupid of Nancy. Like, yeah. why are you going to the mean girl to ask her for help? Like, you have no, she has no reason to help you. She doesn't want to help right. you. Obviously, she doesn't <laughs> want to help you. It's just, it's just so funny. Of course, she says no. But so then uh, Nancy talks to Kelly again, and they're about to go in to cast their votes for who is going to win the face of the year contest. And, uh, or sorry, they had just done that. And so Mm. Kelly calls Nancy and says that Tom counted the votes, but when he was counting the votes, um, and he said Heather won, shocking. Um, But after he counted the votes, he hid all the votes in his briefcase and was acting really sketchy about it. So... Kelly decided to check all of the pads, notepads that were sitting everywhere that people were using to vote. And she did the pencil shading trick Mm -hmm. on all of them and shows that Heather didn't win at all. So Tom miscounted on purpose to get Heather to win. But so, yeah, Nancy cooks up a plan with Kelly to basically put on this performance now at the end Mm -hmm. to reveal Tom being behind all this sabotage. So they go to the the ballroom where Tom is about to announce the winner to all of the contestants. And he says, as soon as he is like, the winner is Kelly runs up there and snatches the envelope out of his hand and says, it's Maggie. Woo. Um, Congrats, Maggie. And it's at this point, Heather has uh, what I would only describe as a bitch fit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She is like, what are you talking about? I was supposed to have won. You promised me I would win. She says as she points at Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, And Nancy is like, "Um, Heather, uh, what do you mean he promised you would win? How could he do that? You know? Mm. Um, Heather says that she saw him cut the pier railing and knows that Trina from let's know is going to be hiring him. So he promised Heather that she would win the contest if she didn't tell anyone. Mm. And then Roger Harlan gets up because he's so pissed off and hauls off and punches Tom in the face for trying to implicate him in this sabotage of this contest. Wow. Wonderful (laughs) drama. And you know, Nancy goes to look in Tom's briefcase and there is all of the proof that we need. You know, it's pictures of Tom sabotaging the fountain. It's the negatives that he stole from Bess's photo shoot. Right. Yeah, it's all these things, which 
why were you carrying around all this evidence against you? Like That's what I didn't understand either. I was like, whatever. This is a massive plot hole. Why would you not burn the negatives or burn the picture of you sabotaging the fountain? Why are you just carrying it around? Doesn't make right. any sense. Or at least just not keep it on your person at all times. Right. Just throw it away. Yeah. Anyway, so the next day, we're kind of saying goodbye to all the contestants. Best talks to Maggie. She says, oh, I'm so happy that you won. You know, good job. Uh, Maggie's like, I only wish we all could have won, which is such a miscongeniality thing to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So everything wraps up pretty well. They're about to head out you know, leaving Chicago or whatever. And then as they're like getting in into the car, Bess is like, do you want a Danish, Nancy? I took two from the dining room this morning. And Nancy is like, uh, maybe later, you know, I'm still full for breakfast. And Bess is like, why let good food go to waste? And then Nancy says, you mean the food will go to your waste, don't you? Ha ha. Mm. Nancy says with a twinkle in her eye. Um, and then, Oh, be quiet, Bess said. You know, Nancy, I'm glad I didn't win that contest. And Nancy's like, what? Why? And Bess says, do you realize the pressure a model is under? She always has to look good. If she gets a pimple or gains five pounds, it's an absolute disaster. I mean, the whole world of modeling is so fake. A person like Heather can come off really beautiful just because of lighting and makeup. And Nancy interrupts. Perfect features in a devastating figure. (laughs) And Beth says, true, but she's not really beautiful, not like Maggie, not inside, where it counts. And end music, scene fades. <laughs> um, and we get our best back, and she's mm-hmm. actually eating again. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that is a model crime. That was it. That was it. Where do we start? I don't know, man. I, yeah. I guess we just just have to start where we ended and we started, which is Bess's weight and the fat fat issues and weight issues that she has throughout all of it. I will say, so at the very beginning, I was like, oh my God, with the comments about how she lost five pounds and now she has her perfect life or whatever. Mm. I was about to be like, if I have to read another book that is like this, I am going to lose my motherfucking mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seemed to me that, yes, this book was littered with a lot of those moments of best talking like that. But it seemed to be framed in a way where it was definitely portrayed as being negative. Like, oh, yeah. it was a bad thing that Bess was talking this way. It, it wasn't good the way she was policing her food, comparing herself to others. Even though Nancy does poke a little bit of fun at her at the end, I think we really end off on a really good note of Bess having realized that, like, how she was acting about her weight and everything was not good. She doesn't necessarily right. acknowledge that it wasn't healthy, which is something that I would have liked to have seen. Right. But she definitely is like, I'm not going to do that anymore. That is basically too hard. <laughs> oh, so, yes. You know, I'm not entirely disappointed with, you know, the story of that for Bess. I, you know, I think it shows at least some uh, character development. Now, yeah. whether or not it sticks is kind of going to be a question, but... <laughs> I don't think it will. Yeah. 
I doubt it. I would have liked to have seen her um, not pretend like everything was perfect in her life now that she'd lost five pounds, that all of her other problems had gone away. Mm-hmm. It definitely, so it definitely in this book comes off as like, like legit eating disorder. Like oh, yeah. we have always kind of like flirted with that without actually like coming out and saying it. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where it's like right when they're about to eat. I think it's the salad scene that we talked about. Um, so yeah, she's talking about, you know, she can't get the shrimp scampi because it's cooked in butter. Do you know how many calories are in butter? But she says, I'm so hungry. I could just die. She said, best looked if she meant every word. Every time one of the white jacketed waiters passed through the small banquet room reserved for the face of the year participants, she practically fainted. So Bess is so hungry that she's about to faint. Is not okay. Right. So Bess is starving herself is what I'm reading from that. Bess has a salad and a piece of toast for her dinner. Mm-hmm. Even though they hadn't eaten since breakfast. They, right. they hadn't had lunch. They skipped lunch. And Nancy points that out. And she, she says that to Bess, I think, too. She's like, you don't have to eat just a salad. Like, we didn't eat lunch. <laughs> you know? Like, mm-hmm. eat dinner. Which... Yeah, because she says, yeah, best just because you don't want to gain weight doesn't mean you have to starve yourself. We missed lunch, remember? So, like, points to Nancy. Go, Nancy, mm-hmm. you know, for trying to encourage Bess to, you know, take care of herself. But, like, yeah, I think it's definitely – we're definitely trying to point towards Bess, if not having an actual eating disorder, being definitely unhealthy in the way she thinks about food. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the very next thing Bess says in response to that is, Nancy Drew, you were mm-hmm. born thin. Don't tell me how to order, okay? Gets irritated with her. And it's just so horrible that she's under so much pressure that she has to feel like mm-hmm. she has to do these things, that it's not an option for her. Right, right. I mean, like, to a certain extent, yeah, Nancy shouldn't be telling you how to eat. But, like, she's not trying to tell you how to eat, right? She's trying to encourage you to take care of yourself right Right. like eat what you want eat something that's going to be filling for you but yeah and nancy you know totally lets her kind of snap at her because she's like i know that she's under a lot of stress right now so i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. you know push her which is another great friend move again nancy's just being a plus in this graphic book she's totally being supportive of s and just like every single moment which i really appreciate because a lot of the times you know we see nancy being really one track mind with the mystery but this one i and it's probably because the mystery kind of revolves around this contest that best involved in but she really does is really there for her friend first which i Mm -hmm. appreciate modeling has one of the highest rates of eating disorders when it comes to you know, specific industries. And it's just interesting that that's the career that Bess has chosen, given the hangup she already has about her own image. Right. Just that she's pushing herself yeah. even further into this mindset. It's just really, it's a lot on her. Not that, not that she's doing it, but like everything on her that's contributing to it. It's just no, not yeah. good. But like, you have to think like being successful at being a model is what Bess's like ideal is, right? Mm -hmm. Like she sees that as being like the epitome of success, being the, you know, as most successful as you could be as a woman, I guess, probably, um, you know, to put a gender lens on it. But like, she cares so much about appearance, not just for herself, but for everyone. Like we see that 
constantly. You know, she talks mm-hmm. about Nancy and George's appearance a lot. She talks about men's appearance a lot about how they dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, that's like her, what her ideals are about, you know? And so, yeah, being really successful at this competition, I think would be a way for her to like prove to herself, like, I am beautiful. I am successful. I am worthy. Right. Right. Of basically life. (laughs) Right. Of eating. um, If I can be successful as a model. Um, Definitely seems like she's conflated being thin with success of, mm -hmm. oh, I can only be successful if I'm thin. I can only do well in this industry if I starve myself. Mm -hmm. It's really sad. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I will say, though, that this is not the first time we've heard Bess talk about modeling. If you'll remember in Stay Tuned for Danger, Mm -hmm. at the very end, she had been kind of flirting with the idea of acting throughout that book. But then at the very end, she was like, oh, I don't want to do acting anymore. It's too hard. I'm going to be a model. And now that's easier, right? That's easier. And now at the end of this book, she's like modeling's too much effort, too hard. I'm not going to be a model anymore, which good job. Best good. Good good for reaching that conclusion. But like, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we have the end with the Danish that she's actually eating something. Not that, I mean, an eating disorder can just go away like that, but Still, it's it's a step in the right direction of her mm-hmm. realizing, yes, it's okay to eat and allow yourself to enjoy some food and be full. That's mm-hmm. okay. I will say, too, that it it's very strange in these books. And I don't know if this is because Bess flip-flops so much, but we seem to always flip-flop between Bess starving herself and Bess mm. really enjoying food. Like Mm -hmm. it seems to go back and forth between that. And it might be, yes, because, you know, that is kind of could be reflecting what Bess's behavior is like. Um, But it could also be just that like they think, oh, well, Bess is food obsessed. So these are all the different ways in which you can be food obsessed, which is just not not great, you know? (sighs) No, no. But anyway. I hope that'll go away when we reach the diary series. Yes. Yes. Well, also, I just think it's interesting in the Nancy Drew PC games, too, the representation they have of Bess. And I don't know why I'm specifically thinking about Alibi and Ashes, but, like, Bess is obsessed with the ice cream. She's obsessed Mm -hmm. with ice cream, um, which is also hashtag relatable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, I'm very interested by the different depictions of Bess being food obsessed. It's like either mm-hmm. we get her absolutely obsessed with food, wants to eat it all the time, you know, wants to eat this particular food, loves sweets, right? Acting like she's gorging herself by mm-hmm. having a meal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, or she is not eating anything and is saying like, oh, I can't eat that. I can't believe you would eat that. Like that has too many calories, you know. I'll, I'll just butter in it. Right. I'll just have a salad, you know. So I just think those choices are interesting when they happen and when they don't, you know? Oh, yeah. What else do we want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Kelly? Sure. Yeah. What do you have to say about Kelly? How do we get her to be a recurring character? Because (laughs) I loved her. We need more Kelly and more stories. We can't have two recurring reporter characters. 
Get rid of Brenda. Bye, Brenda. No, I love Brenda. I love Brenda Carlton. I love an evil reporter. I love an evil reporter. I love to hate her. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know, I love to read about her. I love to read about all the stuff that she does. You know, I get so mad when she, she enters the scene. I'm like, oh, she's here to ruin it all for Nancy. But yeah, you got to love to hate her. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, we just we just need a, a helpful phone friend. That's what she is in this book. True. And like, hey, can you look for something up for me since you're in Bay City, Chicago, and I need this this help with this? And I just thought it was so hilarious how, in fact, I'll probably read a little snippet of it, how she was like, I know who you are, Nancy Drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that was the best. So what um, are you really here for? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me find it. So Kelly gazed at Nancy for a moment after they sat. Then she narrowed her green eyes and leaned forward. Okay, let's level, she said. What are you really doing at the face of the year contest? And I'm not sure what you mean, Nancy said, suddenly feeling uncomfortable. Kelly raised her eyebrows. Then she reached for her big maroon handbag and began rummaging inside it. She pulled out a newspaper clipping and handed it across the table to Nancy. I came across this when I was looking at Bess's hometown paper. That's you, isn't it? Nancy looked down at a picture of herself shaking hands with Chief McGinnis of the River Heights Police Department. <laughs> Nancy drew the detective, Kelly said simply. And Nancy handed the newspaper clipping back and was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy Drew. Yep. You found me out. Oh, so good. It's like finally mm-hmm. somebody does their research. And right. now I know we're in, well, 1990 in this book. So like early, early, early internet days and you can't just go Google somebody. Right. But like Nancy Drew in the modern world, like would not work super well because no. anybody could just Google her and find out exactly who she is. Yeah. And I'm so glad someone finally did their research to figure it out. It's just, yeah, props to Kelly. Kelly is great. I like her. She's thorough. She is. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure she was going to be taking advantage of Nancy's situation. Mm-hmm. I thought either she was going to be like publishing articles with the information that Nancy mm-hmm. gave her to like profit off of it, or that she was going to be somehow involved in the mystery. And I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I just have a bias against reporters, which is bad. But but yeah, no, she was just a cool friend to have. Yeah. No, I thought the same thing when she asked her to go to lunch. I was like, don't go with her, Nancy. Don't go with her. It's a trap. It's a trick. She's going to misquote you or something yeah. and print it. It's going to be awful. <laughs> uh, but no. Too funny. So yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the descriptions of these girls as well. Because yes. I think it is super dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, the way they talk about these girls. So, let's see. So, here we go. No, so, so the closer they got to the photo shoot, the more Bess seemed to freeze up. Nancy thought she knew why. Standing near the iron railing with only Lake Michigan behind them were seven of the tallest, most beautiful girls she had ever seen. I suddenly feel short, Bess whispered. It's called mm-hmm. petite, Nancy said, patting her friend on the arm. And we know she's self-conscious about her height from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. So they introduced Maggie, and um, Maggie was tall and willowy. Her skin was luminous, and her features were perfect. Another of the models talks, and she's described as ash blonde with cat-like golden eyes. Then 
They introduced Trudy Wu, Carrie Harper, Allison Williams, Diana Amsterdam. Trudy had glossy black hair, cut blunt and in bangs, and sparkling almond-shaped eyes. Carrie, her dark hair was twisted into a thick French braid, giving her a soft, classic look, taking Bess in with a pair of amazing blue eyes that seemed to leap from her face when she smiled. Allison was tall, like Maggie and Carrie, but her skin was a rich chocolate brown set off by large, glowing black eyes. Her glossy, mm-hmm. jet black hair was parted on one side and held in place with a simple gold clip. Diana, Diana's face had a delicate elfin quality with mischievous, green eyes. And Natasha um, had full pouting lips, a short, slender nose, and enormous green eyes. These girls are described as basically being like these otherworldly goddesses. Right. And I know that they're supposed to be models, except the fact that like they're not. Like they, right. they go throughout the book and they describe them as being models. And they are models for the competition. And I know they're supposed to be very beautiful because they've been selected because they are supposed to be beautiful and have beautiful faces. I get that that's the premise. Right. But the fact that we have like who are supposed to be like these quote unquote normal non-professional girls mm-hmm. in this competition and they're described as being like this, they're described this way. Mm. Right. It's a lot. And so it's it seems to be kind of like reflecting that like, well, beautiful average girls should look like this. Um, like to describe beauty, like this is what beauty is. And it's always about the eyes, it seems like, or being shiny or glossy or like having some kind of like light quality. Very magical adjectives that they used there. (laughs) Right. And it's just, that just seems really like a dangerous message to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, just as a side note, I would just like to point out that like models who aren't Photoshopped don't look that way. Like they look like you know, like human beings, like we all Mm -hmm. look like human beings. Like we don't all, our eyes don't shine, you know, Mm -hmm. when we look at people. They're not golden. They're not like liquid onyx or like whatever face, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, it's not real. Yeah. Like Bess was saying at the end, models do sometimes gain five pounds. They do get acne and that's normal and that's okay. Right. And so like, just to think that like they set up this, scenario where these are supposed to be normal girls it's telling normal girls that they're supposed to look like this even though they don't you know and it's just it's just not real but that's something that they never talk about even though Bess eventually comes around to the fact that having to be that policey about your weight is really hard work and she doesn't want to do it they don't talk about any of the rest of this no (laughs) so it's just dangerous I think just dangerous Dear Carolyn Keene, mm-hmm. is it okay to have a body? Is that acceptable? <laughs> oh, that was just a great academic article. Yeah. Carolyn Keene and um, the right to have a body. Yeah. <laughs> That's a future episode coming soon. I will. I do want to say that there was a really great moment with Trudy Wu, who was supposed to be, you know, our token Asian character. Correct. Um, on let's see page 18 so she's talking about they're talking about heather now heather has been like rude to all of them and made these rude comments or whatever but trudy says according to her heather only blue-eyed people should use blue eyeliner trudy added saucily she said it looks 
quote unquote weird on someone like me. Hmm. Ooh, okay. So finally, finally, in these Nancy Drew files, we get our first open call out of racism. Yep. Yes, Trudy Wu points to Trudy Wu for being like, Heather's racist. She yeah. said people like me, Asian people, don't look good with blue eyeliner. And Which is a lie. <laughs> and and it's pointed out as being something awful that she said. Like, yes. Yeah. Finally. Thank Finally. you. <laughs> so I was very excited about that. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I had not picked up on the fact earlier that you said that Allison was black and like mm-hmm. have issues with her hair. That is really awful. Burn off her hair. Yeah. Mm. it's also some of the stuff that i'm getting sick of reading in these nancy drew files like we've talked before about how it was just like obviously the 1980s 19 early 1990s were a different time and you know we don't obviously we weren't alive for that we didn't experience you know this particular time um and so i'm really happy to get into some modern adaptations more modern adaptations of nancy drew just to hopefully be able to say that we've come a little bit farther, you know? Some of this is so awful to read. I'm holding out hope for the diaries. Yeah. Crossing my fingers. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's only in like Nancy Drew fashion that you would revise Mm. old texts. So why not have... A revised text come out of the files 31 years later. Probably because they weren't super popular. Fair enough. <laughs> no. uh, people would buy them, but you know. No, I they would, would not. I would buy. I'd buy one. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy them to collect them, I guess. I would buy a revision of like the revised text original mystery story. <laughs> a revision of the revision. Yes. Yes. Re-revise it to undo all the unintentional racism that was put in in an attempt to take out the racism. (laughs) So funny. Jeez, Louise. So no Ned in this one. No. No no guys at all except for, I mean, Roger and Tom, but obviously they aren't love interests. There's a little bit of implication of Roger and Maggie sort of flirting with one another, but it's not romance no one's obsessing over a guy no one is having relationship drama it was kind of a nice break from yeah the ned nancy nonsense that's been going on past oh, few books totally totally it was yeah i was so happy to not have a book that revolved around who's with who and do the two people end up together at the end of the book or like in shockwaves you know buck ending up with mercedes like i'm just yeah i just don't care i just don't care as much as i love shockwaves <laughs> it's nice not to have to be third party to a, a really cringy argument mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's nice to see yeah a book revolve around like competition that is not romantic where people can mm-hmm. just succeed or not based on their merits right kind of technically sort of yeah whatever (laughs) oh oh man yeah yeah you know we don't even get like a reference to ned no phone calls or any of bess's you know romantic you know going on like even though she's basically aside from nancy the set kind of secondary protagonist right to the book right she doesn't talk about dating either 
which is very strange for Bess because Bess would probably usually be like all about the male models, right? Right. I was expecting uh, Bess to be like, oh, I'm going to go flirt with all these male models. So I have this escort. I'm in love with him now. None of that. We didn't have any of that to endure. It was wonderful. She she is late throughout this book. She's laser focused on being a good model on doing well in this competition. She it's I mean, a lot of that is about what she's eating. Yes. But also like she's very concerned about her photo shoots and looking good for them and, you know, making sure that, you know, she knows what to do in them. And even when uh, at the park, when, you know, they were doing all that workout stuff, which we know could have been very uh, making feel best, make best feel very insecure because that's not something that she would normally do. She jumps in there, you know, she's like, yeah, I'll try it. Go best, you know, good for you, best. Yeah. Not, it does not have to be romantic best. As right. this is best. This is career best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's focused. There's no room for that kind of drama in the modeling world. Mm. She's got to be a professional. Eyes on the prize. It would be looked down upon, I bet, to try to try to date all the male models that were around. And also super creepy because yeah, we said we said we would come back to this too. Like literally, like assigning escorts two girls to a banquet like and their male models it's like are these got like like what is what is going on here feels very are they yeah are they being auctioned off as brides yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's very strange I, i get i get that it was supposed to be part of like hype for the competition like yeah, you get these, you know, you get to keep all the clothes from your photo shoots. You get to build a portfolio. You also get to go on dates with these male models. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so weird. It's just weird. It's a weird thing weird. to win. You win a date with Tad Hamilton. <laughs> oh, throwback. I don't know if you remember that movie. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were referencing one of the models. I was You've like, I forgot his name. You've never seen Win a Date with Tad Hamilton? No. Oh. I don't. I'm not familiar. It's an old old rom-com probably oh, okay. from it's probably has not hold the te- hold the test of time well oh i'm sure it's i'm sure it's super sexist and awful but i just i just remember the the concept of it vaguely <laughs> yeah anyway anything else you want to talk about i think that's all i got for this one yeah. it's kind of a shorter one that's all right oh yeah we don't need to wax on for three hours about it <laughs> Um, yeah. So that was a model crime. So what score would you give this one? How many oh. flashlights does this one deserve? Two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking two or three. Yeah, I I don't think it's as low as a two because I don't think it was actively terrible. And I do think it at the end of it we got, you know, a somewhat better message than we usually do in some of the Nancy Drew files. And so I appreciate it for that. But overall, yeah, it was just another Nancy Drew file. It was par for the course. It was on the formula. It was hitting all the tropes. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't super excited to read it. Yeah. It wasn't super interesting. But yeah, I'd, I'd give it a two and a half out of five. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I think I'd probably give it a three. It was kind of repetitive. It kind of went by quick. Like it was just really, just flipped right through it. All right. It was a really short one, I think, in comparison to the others. Usually there was like um, like 19 or 20-ish chapters in most of the other Nancy Drew files. This one only had 16. So Mm -hmm. I think it was a little shorter. That's all right. (laughs) So 
our next book, Regular Drews, we are going to continue on with the Nancy Drew Files, and we are going to hit this time. Drum roll. High marks for Malice, case number 32. So I just read the top note there. Lifestyles of the rich and brainy. <laughs> <laughs> Lifestyles of the rich and brainy can be fatal. When Nancy tackles a campus crime ring, we're going back to college. Oh, and Ned's in this one. I don't think I don't see any Bess or George notes, so I think it just might be a Nancy and Ned, Nancy and Ned mystery. Mm, should we pick a different one? No, I'm <gasps> the the ad for the back of this one is Shockwaves. <gasps> it is. Look at that. Oh. <gasps> So, okay, Danger in Disguise, case number 33, which is the one right after this one, features George. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, when Nancy's girlfriend, George, goes to work on the election campaign of city councilman Tim Terry, she unwittingly draws Nancy into her latest case. Nancy and Bess are helping George at the campaign headquarters when they overhear two men talking about getting back a particular paper. It's an immigration service document for Michael Mulraney, a local building contractor. When the girls track down Mulraney, they find a young man living in fear. He's just received a note saying the real Mulraney is still alive. Mm. Mm. So George is political. George is working for an election campaign. George is political. That's great. George is here by this guy. Oh, Danger in disguise. Danger in disguise. Mm-hmm. Like what a great, what a great know. Uh, characterization of George. I love right. it. I love Good it. A little detail there to add to her. Yeah. More of that, please. I know. Do I have that one? Can we change? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I don't think I have that one. No, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful to to read a book with featuring Ned and Nancy that doesn't involve relationship drama. I hope so. Maybe, hopefully, we'll just see, like, a good representation of their relationship, and we can talk about that instead yes. of having to talk about either them fighting or Nancy being in love with Frank. Right. There's got to be at least one file to establish, like, this is this is their relationship. All the other stuff is the drama, but we do have a foundation that's not just the mystery stories. Yeah. Because otherwise, why are they together? Yeah. So... Who knows, man? I mean, that's the real question. Why are they together? <laughs> Dump him. Dump his ass, Nancy. Honestly, they just, they're just, I mean, regardless of blame, because I do think they both have their faults. And of Ned course. does have some valid critiques of their relationship. I don't think he goes about expressing them particularly well, but he does have some valid critiques. Like, they just aren't good for each other. They aren't good no. for each other. No. You know who would be? Frank Cardi? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Frank Cardi would be good for me, man. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Oh, well. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So join us then, regular Drews. We'll see you then. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $1 level receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>